Hi, we're really glad that you are joining us today in the second week of our series, Relationships Reframed. I think all of us realized something over the course of this last year, that some of our relationships, they need some work. And during this time, we, we atrophied in some of our relationships as we were separated physically from one another for a long period of time. Others of us were quarantined in our homes and we were forced to spend far more hours with our family or our spouse or our kids than what we were used to. You know, our culture is constantly screaming at us, giving us definitions and ideas as to what our relationships could and should look like. It says, make your marriage better or have more and stronger friendships. Or it tells us how to get dating right or that you could have better kids and set them up for a better future if you just did these things, or you need to discover the better version of yourself. And the problem with our chasing after these cultural ideals is that we're left with this feeling that there's always something to improve. And that can be exhausting and defeating. So maybe we need not so much to improve our relationships, but instead, to reframe them. If you and I approach our singleness, our, our dating, and our marriage, looking at them through a new lens, a lens given to us by a really good Heavenly Father, then we discover and enjoy God's better design for our relationships and a deeper connectivity to Him. Last week, we kicked off this series, and Jane talked about how if we get love wrong, that we'll never get Christianity right. And we said that the lie from our culture is that love is an emotion which keeps people bonded and committed to one another. But what they also said, though, is that God's truth is that love is a supernatural, ongoing pursuit we grow in after we discover that God is the love we've been searching for. All along. So today we're going to talk about singleness. Now you probably thought that uh, when I say the word single that I was going to break into that song that's played at, like every wedding reception concerning all the single ladies by Beyonce. Maybe you've heard it. Uh, if you thought that I was going to be breaking into song you would be wrong. You wouldn't want to see that. Not ever. Seriously, never. But we are going to talk about singleness today, all right? Now, singleness gets a bad rap sometimes in our culture. Once we reach a certain age where the opposite sex isn't plagued by cooties, we become conditioned in our culture to pursue a significant other. Now, this can raise a certain level of anxiety depending on how badly you want to find that special someone to send a Valentine gram to at school or that soulmate who you're told will finally complete you. So you see, singleness is often treated like a disease. And like any disease, you and I would do anything to be healed of it. Take a look at this commercial from a few years ago from Enterprise Rental Car. 
You see, even in a culture where teenagers have no idea how to interact with the opposite sex unless there is a phone in between them. All right, I'm kidding, teenagers, I love you, but seriously, that's how it is. Singleness still has a stigma, all right? Even in a culture where young adults are putting off getting married until much later in life, we still spend a lot of our adult life striving to stave off singleness. Just ask Tinder or Christian Mingle or the thousands of people who use eHarmony. And while marriage is an important relationship, it, should be, it shouldn't be the ultimate prize of our lives. When we make it marriage the end-all, be-all of our focus, we miss out on the purposeful season of singleness. So here's the lie that we've been told. Singleness is a disease. But I want to tell you today the truth that comes from God. Singleness is the most important part of our relationship process. You don't need to have a significant other to have significance. Singleness is a gift. The season of singleness is a time to invest and discover who you are in Jesus. So here's our big idea for today. Every single person is a single person with a purpose. Let's say that again. Every single person is a single person with a purpose. Let me tell you something super critical that you might be missing. We are all single. Now, I don't care if you're married, if you aren't married, if you're married again, if you're 16 years old, or if you're 76 years old, we're all single. Let me, let me explain that. We are all individual sons or daughters of a good Heavenly Father. We're unique and fully loved by Him. Now, I've been married for nearly 19 years. And when I say that, that like blows my mind that that's the reality. And at times it feels like 100. I mean, it feels like one-tenth of that, all right? But though I've been married to a godly woman for nearly two decades, I am a loved son of my heavenly dad apart from my wife. And she is a daughter of God apart from her marriage to me. I don't need her to be confident and complete in my identity. I love her and we are partnered together in this life. But I am Nathan, a son of God, apart from my marriage relationship. David, Israel's ancient and greatest king, said this in his collection of poetry and songs written by him to God. And you find it in the Old Testament of the Bible, which was written centuries before the birth of Jesus. Here's what David says. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that comes from Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 to 14. You and I are uniquely created and loved by Heavenly Father. And this is true, whether you're dating, married, or unmarried. This was true even before you were born. Now, the reason that we experience brokenness in our relationships is largely because we never learned who we are. We didn't have a firm identity. And many of us never learned how to be single. Matthew, a friend and disciple of Jesus, recorded Jesus saying this in response to being asked the question as to what the most important commandment from God was. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
all your soul, and all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I've heard a lot of sermons and read a lot of books, and I've actually uh, delivered a lot of sermons on the ideas of loving God and, and loving your neighbor. I've, I've, done, I've never done anything, however, on that little piece that Jesus references at the end of that statement. What does loving yourself mean? Like, what does that look like? Well, let me share with you three really important truths today about your singleness. And we're going to look at these with three words. Invest, imagine, and inspire. Let's talk first about invest. When we say invest, this is what we mean. Invest in who you really are. Invest in who you really are. Do you know what the very first words God says to Jesus are? I'm talking about the very first words which the guys who write the narratives of Jesus's life in the Bible, what they tell us that God speaks directly to Jesus. Do you know what those first words are? Do you know what he says? Luke records it for us in his biography of Jesus's life. Listen to this. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Guys, the first words recorded from the mouth and heart of God are this, you are my dearly loved son. See, God establishes Jesus' identity as his son. Before he began his ministry, before his influence began to grow, before he gathered friends or followers around himself, he needed to know who he was. And this is where it begins to break down for us, and it happens early. We get lots of messages telling us who we are from our culture. We, we hear, uh, maybe I am what other people tell me I am. Someone says, I'm academic, or maybe I'm an athlete, or maybe you're beautiful, or maybe you're stupid, or maybe you're unforgivable. Do you hear that enough? And you begin to make investments there. Maybe I have to be the smart one, or maybe I have to be the scholarship earner, or maybe I am worthless or friendless. Maybe I deserve to carry the weight of my guilt. Now, our culture tells us that we are sexual beings, which is so wrong. Man, we're spiritual beings. Now, God gave us sexuality to be enjoyed in the safe space of a committed, loving marriage, but we will invest in our sexuality all the same. But you are not created for pornography or for sexual experimentation or for abuse or for giving little pieces of yourself to the next guy or girl who comes in and out of your life. I and mean, we have an enemy who loves to tell us that we are our past, that our identity is wrapped up in what used to be, what was done to us, or the mistakes we've made. And he loves to remind us of those things. And we invest our thoughts and our regrets very often in that place. And he would do anything to strip you and me of our true identity as sons and daughters of God. He tried to plant the seed of doubt in Jesus when Jesus was preparing for his ministry. And Luke captures it again in chapter 4, verse 3. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, 
Guys, it's no wonder that we have screwed up views of sex or dating or marriage and relationships. It's because we walk into them not knowing who we truly are. And so we bring the baggage of our identity issues into those relationships, expecting a person to solve my loneliness, a girlfriend to fulfill me, or a husband to give me purpose. There isn't one other person who can tell you who you are, who can complete you, or who can heal your brokenness. Jesus is the only one who can. He calls us sons and daughters of God. And that means our Father in heaven finds a lot of joy in being your dad. You, just as you are, in this very minute, bring a lot of joy to God. And if we want to get our relationships on the best possible trajectory, our marriages, our friendships, our, our dating, we've got to start investing in who God says we are. So quickly, invest in God's word. He tells us how much we're loved, so invest time there. Invest in prayer, where will you learn to trust God. Invest in godly people. Gather people around you who follow God closely. Christian counselors, perhaps, who can help you work through some of your hurts. Every single person is a single person with a purpose. Invest in who you really are. Here's the next one. It's the second of our I words, and it's the word imagine. And here's what we mean when we say imagine. Imagine what you could be tomorrow if you started today. Imagine what you could be tomorrow if you started today. God's truth is that singleness is the most important part of your relationship, right? It's the time to invest and discover in who you are in Jesus. So I want you now to imagine, okay? Singleness is an opportunity. It's the most important time in your life that you'll have to invest in the person that you were created to become, right? So use the time wisely. I mean, when we were young and we were asked to imagine what we were going to be when we were older, our minds automatically went one direction, or well, one of two, either career or maybe relationship. So when your teacher said that when you were young, we would write reports at school about becoming a firefighter or a soldier or a teacher, maybe someone in the medical field. I wanted to be an architect when I was younger. I used to say that for years. I loved like designing and drawing. Uh, that wasn't until someone told me that I'd have to learn a lot of math. And I tell you the truth, my dream of being an architect died in that moment, and I never looked back. Now, there maybe have been a, you know, a handful uh, of kids um, who said that maybe they wanted to one day maybe grow up to be a mom. And so when they had to draw pictures of, of their imagined futures, maybe some little girls would draw one with her with a baby doll pushing a stroller. But what if, in our imagining we maybe skipped a step or two. What if instead we imagined who it is that God had created us to be? What if I asked you right now to take out a piece of paper and draw a picture of the future you imagined for yourself? What would you draw? Now, I don't care if you're 15 years old or if you're 50 years old, married or unmarried. What would you draw? I'm not talking about your career aspirations or your achievements or who you are in a relationship, like, well, I'm a mom, a dad, a grandparent, or a spouse. See, it's not that easy, is it? 
it's not that easy to draw that image because we've been conditioned since we were young to consider those things, and we don't often consider the man or the woman that God wants us to become. So I want you to repeat this after me. Purpose precedes relationship. Say that with me. Purpose precedes relationship. We see examples of this in God's Word constantly. As He's been guiding our stories from before the day we were born, nudging us and calling us out to follow His path for forming our hearts and our purpose. In the book of Genesis in chapter 1, Adam was given, Adam was single, right, when God made him. He was a single guy. Adam was given a purpose, though, to tend and care for the garden before Eve was created. In Genesis chapter 24, Rebecca's carrying water back from the river, helping her tribe and serving her family before she would meet her future husband, Isaac. In the book of Ruth, Ruth worked in a field before she ever met Boaz. In the book of 2 Samuel, David was Israel's king before his lust drove him to have an affair with Bathsheba. See, purpose was always present before these people were either blessed by godly relationships or, as in David's case, he ignored his purpose and he chased after relationships anyway. And if you read the rest of his story, you'll see that that set him up for a world of hurt and pain later. Paul, after discovering his purpose in Jesus, he's going to write this in a letter to the Christians in the city of Ephesus, a church that he had helped to plant as he was spreading the good news about Jesus all across the Mediterranean world. He says this in Ephesians chapter 2, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God has done a lot of advanced planning for you. He planted your identity in Him before you were born. And He also created you with a purpose a long time before that as well. But many times, we find ourselves squandering our singleness, chasing after sexual experiences or relationships that will fulfill us, instead of chasing after God's purpose for us. If we worked with God through the power of the Holy Spirit, and developing who we are becoming in Jesus, our relationships would flow out of that and be much better for it. And we wonder why we often find discontentment in our relationship status. So I have a question for you. How do I start building into my purpose today so that God and I partner together in who I am becoming tomorrow? Imagine with God's Word. I tell you, just read God's Word and you'll get a picture of His picture for your life. I challenge you to imagine with God's movement, all right? Look around you. Where is God working and moving to heal people or provide for them or to teach them and lead them to His truth in the dark places they're in? Look to where He's active and meet Him there and do that work there. Here's an idea. If you're married, serve together with your spouse. Thirdly, imagine with others. Ask godly people who you trust what skills and passions they see in you, which could be used to love and serve others as well as love and serve God. Because every single person is a single person with a purpose. And Jesus said, 
You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let's talk about the third I word of singleness. We've talked about invest, we've talked about imagine, and now we're gonna talk about inspire. And when we say inspire, this is what we mean. Inspire others by using everything you have now to make a difference. You've probably heard it said, you can only love others to the extent that you love yourself. But I think it's probably said better this way. You can only love others to the extent that you realize God's love for you. See, Jesus' powerful statement about loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself reveals to us that there is a connection between our love for others and our love for ourselves. It's like this great paradox of this season in our lives that we need to learn to love who we are in Jesus if we want to learn how to love other people well. And the root of our relationship issues begins at our singleness. We take our broken singleness with our broken identity issues and our misguided purpose, and we attempt to join it together with someone else's broken singleness, and what we become is just broken together. And then we expect our relationships to largely uh, be happy or to bring us happiness all the time. And you talk about setting ourselves up for disappointment. We see this in self-serving friendships all the time. We see it in the sex-crazed dating that is in our culture. We see it in dead or dying marriages. I mean, nobody's perfect, but we should all be progressing on the path that God has called us to. And God wants to use this time in your life to create self-awareness, to help you discover your identity in Jesus and build His character into you. And as you ask God to do that work, he will be doing work on your relationships and future relationships as well. See, this is how our singleness inspires our friends and our dating partners, our spouses and our future spouses. It echoes Paul's words when he says this, follow me as I follow Jesus. Matthew records it again, chapter 22. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' command offers us a wide-eyed glimpse of relationships through the lens that God sees them. God loves us with everything that he is, all his power, all his might, and all his conviction. He loves every single person with that much passion and dedication and totality. And in order to love ourselves well, we need to pursue and build a relationship with the God who is love. A God who came in the form of a man, Jesus, to take on our brokenness. And he flipped the script on the broken identity handed to us by our enemy, the devil. He died for us so that we can experience worth and the purpose he gives to us. See, singleness is the opportunity to discover fulfillment in Jesus 
and that nothing else of this world can fit inside that God-shaped hole in our lives. Singleness is a time of preparation, and preparation requires patience. We get in line with God's sequence. Love God and build a relationship with Him. Love yourself and embrace your singleness. And then you can love others really well. So here's what I want us to be challenged to do this week. This week, if you're single, and, and by that I mean if you're not married, I want you to invest in getting to know who you are to God. Read Luke chapter 15 like every day this week and see how Jesus describes how our Heavenly Father feels about you. Invest in your relationship with God by spending more time with Him. If you're dating or engaged, I want you just to step back and imagine what you could be tomorrow if you started today. Lean into the passions and talents God has given to you and see how you can use those to serve His purposes. Serve His purposes as a priority, even above your relationship with someone else. And then think about how you might even work together to serve. Now, if you're married, inspire your spouse by talking regularly this week about some character-shaping qualities you still need to learn for yourself so that you can be the man or the woman God is shaping you to become. Have grace for one another and encourage one another through these conversations. Every single person is a single person with a purpose. Invest, imagine, and inspire. And you will see God's hand on your life guiding you in every season of your relationships. Mm -hmm.